and welcome to Cruisin' for a Reviewsin', the podcast where I get a friend to watch a Tom Cruise movie they've never seen before and then review it with me. I'm your host, Cara Westworth, and today I'm joined once again by Lauren. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. Oh my God, I've missed you so much. Like, what the hell is this life? <laughs> well, we're here now and you're back as my now most featured guest on the podcast. Oh my God, this is an honor. I am willing. I'll go get one of my many crowns and put it on my head. <laughs> so I've picked you specifically for this episode. So we're getting down really to the pointy end of how many movies I have left. And this was one that I was really... I don't know if nervous is the right word for it, but I wanted to treat this differently to pretty much every other Tom Cruise movie we've done because of the sensitive nature involved Ooh, yeah. in the in the story. Would you mind just telling me why I picked you and your... And the film? Yeah. So today we are reviewing Rain Man. And the reason why uh, is that I was recently diagnosed with autism. <laughs> Go figure. I found out last year and I am... This year I am 33. Like last year I turned 32. Was it last year? Holy shit. Yeah, so I have known I am autistic for not even a year and wish I'd known a little bit earlier. But because of this and because of the nature of an 80s film and representation and what it was made looked like, I want to say. I don't want to trip over my words too much. Uh, I'm here. I'm here to help. <laughs> I mean, all along, I wanted to try and find someone who may have had autism or at the very least had experience with working with people who have autism or mm. something. And it was hard. Like, I didn't want to just do a shout out on, hey, any of you people with autism want to be a podcast with me? I know that felt weird when, I'm, when my podcast is about Tom Cruise. But then I was like talking to you about it and you're like, I haven't actually seen that movie. I'm like, holy shit. Oh my God. Because I know there's like, that's part of this part of it. Like you have to have not seen the film. Yeah. Like, and conveniently. I've had a couple lately where people have seen the movie, but I don't want to mm. make, didn't want to make a habit of it. So this worked perfectly. So oh, here we I'm are. so glad. Yeah. I think my tendency to lean into both horror films and sci-fi have really helped because I, yes. I'm, I, I've barely watched dramas. I forget they exist. I'm like, are they ghosts? Fucking nah. <laughs> Is there an explosion or is there some sort of grisly murder? I don't want to know about it. Mm, oh, Yawnsville. Huh? Yeah, um, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about this film that you'll hear about. <laughs> oh, boy, will I hear about them. Oh, boy. Look, I'm going to, I guess I want to preface this by quoting a friend of mine, Clem Basto, who actually also was diagnosed late in life with autism. What she says is inaccurate representation is still representation and you've got to take things with a grain of salt. But that said, I will absolutely tell you my thoughts on this film That's and fine. you know me my my default is positive but mm. it was it was tricky it was tricky yeah <laughs> Like, I mean, that's the thing. we can talk about it as, you know, I I mean, I have the luxury of being able to talk about it just as a movie, whereas the intersection mm. of autism and the movie is very different oh, for oh. you. Oh, yeah. So like, like, let me tell you about the autism, the ride, the experience. Yeah. <laughs> like I can talk about, like, I enjoy the movie. It mm. makes me very angry, but probably a different way to you because this is mm. one of Tom Cruise's most unlikable roles, I think. Mm. Oh, yeah, he is really unlikable in it. And it's, it's up until like the very end when he finally goes, oh, I've been a oh, shit wait, cunt this whole time. Oh, wait, I Yeah, oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> not to spoil it, but, you know. Hopefully I'm aware enough of how ASD works from the many friends I now know who have it. <laughs> so <laughs> the one good thing about COVID is that everyone uh, oh. figured out some shit about themselves. 100%. No, if I hadn't been locked down, I wouldn't have gone through what I went through to go and get diagnosed. So I have a, a, a very exciting concoction of um, autism spectrum disorder and I have ADHD, which is why it wasn't clocked when I was a kid, because when you have ADHD, you're actually really social. You always like look for things to excite your brain because 
what ADHD is, they're realizing now, is a lack of dopamine. So you're, you're working overtime to reduce it. Mm-hmm. So that's like, I don't know, it's like going on a roller coaster and it makes you excited, but it's like that every day for every life things. The other thing I want to say is that I am not an autistic savant, which is the particular representation we see in this film. You know, and, and a lot of autistic people aren't savants. A lot of us just go around about and do their things. And then, well, in my case, don't realize they're autistic until later. In my case, because uh, well, I'm, I'm AFAB. Huh, I love saying AFAB because it makes me sound like I am fabulous. Uh, so <laughs> I was assigned, assigned female at birth. And thus, a lot of girls were missed in the 90s because of the nature of autism and ADHD presenting themselves very differently. And also, they work together to mask one another. So like I said, I'm very outgoing because of my ADHD. Whereas a lot of people who do get clocked as having autism struggle with social situations. Da-da-da! And that is Autism Chat for now. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you as well, mm. this movie is set in a time where autism is definitely not known like it is now. No. And it didn't seem to be, I mean, they talk about in the movie it being mm. a spectrum, but to mm. them a spectrum is the character in this, who we'll talk about soon, who has mm. autism. They're actually like, he's high functioning on the lower end of the spectrum oh, because boy, he's verbal. Oh, one to say. Which mm. now we realise that's like a tiny fraction of the spectrum we probably know now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the best way the spectrum can be summarized is I think a lot of people think of the spectrum as a flat line, mm. but what the spectrum actually looks like is a color wheel. So you know those when you like drag your mouse around those colors? Yep. So when you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person, and that is a quote from one of my favorite autistic podcasts called 1800 Seconds on Autism. For example, I might exist over in pink, whereas a friend of mine who's also autistic might exist over in green. We're still in the same spectrum, but it looks very different. And that is the most helpful thing I've ever had explained to me. Uh, I think the internet, there was a, a diagram on the internet and I was like, oh, that that helps me understand it. And that's how I've been explaining it to family and friends as well, because everyone has a line in their brain. But really, colour wheel is probably a bit more accurate. Cool. Yeah, I didn't know that one. That's it's a good, one. good way to put it. Yeah. And also another thing they talk about in this, actually, no, it was um, I was watching the behind the scenes and they had like a little mini documentary on the Blu-ray about autism. And they had people who actually were like actual psycholog- psychiatrists and everything who specialised mm. in autism talking about stuff but it was the languages were so still so different to what we mm. are used to today but they were talking about how they're portraying someone who is autistic savant but being savant which we mostly think of as being an autistic thing mm. is you can be savant and not autistic like they're oh yeah mutually, like the autistic yeah. savant is like not mutually ex- exclusive like for yeah. sure no no not at all I said that because the guy that uh, Dustin Hoffman who plays the character with autism he mm. spent time with is a savant but I don't think he had autism. I think he had some other intellectual disability. Oh, yeah. yeah neuro- it might have been neuro- No, I think it was intellectual. I'm not, I can't remember exactly. Um, I should have checked it out. Yeah, they were just talking about that. And this movie, although far from perfect... By looking into it, I did actually learn a lot of stuff that mm. yeah, I actually didn't know. And I thought I knew a bit more than I did until I started mm. actually looking into this and watching some stuff oh. about Rain Man. Oh, for sure. I'm glad you watched the documentary because I had no idea. Like I just watched it on um, one of the streaming services. But um, yeah, so I didn't, I haven't looked at the documentary. I haven't seen anything like that. I just, you know, looked at this film with faith, at face value and I was like, it's Tom Cruise. I'm going to love it. But also ugh, we'll see what happens. There's some interesting stuff that I learned from my psychologist who also specializes in ASD. And in regards to, so 
what autism spectrum disorder is primarily, well, like, and I could be wrong because I only just found out, so I don't know a lot of stuff either. I'm still learning too. Is it is cyclic thinking. And what my psychologist was saying that it can be more obvious or more apparent if it is also paired with an intellectual disability. So what people consider high functioning, we used to be called Asperger's and then everything else would be known as like autistic, but high functioning isn't really used so much anymore. It's just used, it's just, it, you just say autism because it's a concoction of things um, mm. that make you more autistic and, and all, all high functioning really is, is how good you are at masking. But at the end of the day, you still struggle with things because you're autistic. So it's, yeah, it's a funny old thing. I've had people be like, oh, is autistic, people think like the word autistic is offensive. I guess that comes down to the person. I personally love knowing I'm autistic. I wish I'd known sooner. Mm. So yeah, just autistic or, or ASD, autism spectrum disorder. Those seem to be the most common ones that are used. But yeah, using like uh, things like high functioning or low functioning or all that sort of stuff is sort of, obviously it's used in this film because it was, you know, made in the 80s, but that's being left by the wayside as well. So I have just had a quick look and the character is based off of a man called called Kim Peek. Uh, he had savant syndrome, so no, he did not have ASD. He oh. basically pretty, uh, I cannot say that, macrocephaly, a condition that causes mm. his head to be abnormally large. So he, yeah, he had uh, like a physical disability that resulted in neurological disability and affected his brain. But basically yeah. he had incredible memory. Oh, like wow. Like he could read two pages of a book at once and he could, rem- yeah, he'd read, he could read a phone book and know. Whoa, yeah, that's everything incredible. Everything he read, that's, which, I mean. That's hectic. And, but also it's not autistic. No. <laughs> I mean, like it's savant syndrome, but that's really interesting as well. Let's review this movie, Rain Man. Okay, so the char- we'll go through the characters a little bit mm-hmm. uh, ahead of time. Tom Cruise is playing Charlie Babbitt, who is like this complete asshole. He... <laughs> Like yuppie kind of dude who mm. imports does great imports of like luxury cars like Lamborghinis. Mm. That's how we introduced to him. Then there's Dustin Hoffman who plays Raymond Babbitt, who is his brother that he never knew existed from a very bit of a shitty dad. Yeah, it sounds like a very um distant father, but it also seems like the apple may have not have fallen far from the tree in a lot of ways. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. a funny old thing. Yeah. Then there's Susanna who is Charlie Babbitt's girlfriend. She's Val- Valeria Golino who is a very stunning. Italian woman. There's a few other characters, but you don't, I mean, apart from the doctor of Raymond Babbitt, um, which is Dr. Bruner, we don't, it's a it's a road movie, so we don't stick with a lot of characters for very no, long. It's it's very focused on our main it's Charlie two and, Raymond, and their yeah. interactions. Yeah. So I'm thinking, because we're probably going to have a lot to talk about because of who we are as people and friends. <laughs> uh, because of uh, the fact that we can't <laughs> shut our big gobs. Uh, we haven't, can't shut up for five fucking <laughs> minutes. No. I wish to be mysterious. Oh, Oh, but I lack the ability to shut my fucking mouth. Very good. (laughs) 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 Turns out it's autism. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't think we'll go, like, hectic into detail. I say that. We'll we'll try. I I always end up falling into that trap. Like, the last episode I did, I was like, you're going to skim through things, Cara. And then I'm like, and here is the pedantic details of this scene. Like, god damn it! The the paint chip on the wall in the background of the motel that represents my fractured soul. Oh, what? (laughs) Calm down. Shut the fuck up. Maybe they just couldn't afford to fucking do set dressing, you dumb shit. All right, good times. Anyway. (laughs) Could you imagine if I was like that? Oh, Lord. (laughs) This, yeah, the movie set up 
by we see Charlie just being an absolute asshole trying to import these fucking Ooh. Lamborghinis. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. So his his girlfriend and another guy works for him and he's making them lie to yeah and they're like working the phones for sure like it's it's like it's set up in a warehouse as well so basically they are trying to get the epas tested which is like how much pollution they emit and oh. they're being held up because they probably gas well, i don't know are lamborghinis gas guzzlers i should know that i have no idea i, I don't even know how to drive so <laughs> because they're being imported from italy mm. like yeah the, the, the epa standards are different between countries anyway mm. big hold up when he thinks it's going to go right or good He's like, all right, girlfriend, we're going to Palm Springs. Let's bounce. So they start driving and uh, like we see pretty uh, clearly how much Vanessa Lee is by the argument that they have in the car. Oh, man. He's really deep in thought. And she, because she's Italian and mm. English isn't her first language, like mm. she has a little bit of trouble expressing herself, which I think was actually a very clever thing to do in this movie because he has to mm. explain things to her a little bit more because she's you know, struggling to keep up with everyone talking really fast in English. So it's really good for exposition. It's funny. Like I... I didn't get that as much. She just felt really open. Like, she's a really mm. open person. So she's like, got to talk about feelings, got to do these things. He frustrated me so much. He reminds me of someone I used to date uh, who just would not at all. Like, we'd have arguments like that where I was like, I need to know how you're feeling. And then they would lie about how they were feeling. So it was like, you never really got to know them. So I, like, really empathized with her in that. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, like, that is a stressful situation to be in. So as they're having their little argument and he's mm. being a absolute pain in the ass, he gets a phone call on his excellent car phone. I'm like, ah, oh, yes, the 80s. The giant. Ah, yes, the, the giant. The whole center yeah, console. Yeah, suitcase. <laughs> So good. I know, what a flashback. And you think about how tiny our phones got and now they're like almost suitcase sized again because we're like, (gasps) I have to have a computer at all times. I require a tiny screen in the palm of my hand so that I may watch my anime. Or if you're the man who was on the tram today, my YouTube songs with no headphones in really loudly. Just why not? Oh, I just can't wait to hear some fucking Dido on my way to work. Cheers, (laughs) mate. (laughs) What is this fucking 1999? (laughs) Oh no. Oh, I hope your discman runs out of battery, mate. That's uh, you shithead. Imagine you should have said to him, like, could you please turn your discman down a bit? It's too loud. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir, but I don't know, I just frisbee it out the window. <laughs> Yeah, so giant phone gets a phone call. He just gets told that his father has died and he's like emotionless, which, you know, Susanna's like, what the fuck? Like, he just found oh, your dad's yeah. dead. And she's like, so. He's like, uh, we're going to have to go to the funeral. And they turn around and they head straight to the funeral. Uh, Susanna's yes. going with him, even though he doesn't want her to. Well, yes. Because that's what part- you do with your fucking partner. You're like, oh, this thing happened. Got to be yeah. here. Got to play support. Even if you've had a little fight, there are, there are yeah. certain things that are just more important in the moment. And that's okay. Which, when the way he reacts to it, like about her coming and she's like, well, I know I want to come. You know that if it happened to her, like if her, her parent died, even if she didn't like that parent, he would be like, all right, see you later. Like he wouldn't uh, have gone with her. Like, Oh, no, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a very um mutual partnership yeah she feels like she's oh, doing no. a lot of emotional labor for this very silly man who can say all of the emotional labor uh, pretty much all of it oh that explains why she was so fit like ooh, yeah. The guns yeah all <laughs> oh, the baggage on her shoulders and this cut oh god could carry all your emotional baggage babe got this <laughs> bene bene <laughs> oh yeah no, um i i don't know remember when uh when he explains like about his dad so they go to his the dad's house and he's ah. obviously quite wealthy one of the 
things she comments on, which we'll come back in, in a moment, is that she comments on, like, oh, someone should be watering the, those roses. They're all dying. Mm. Um, so, yeah, beautiful big manor style house. And she, yeah, probes him a little bit about mm. why. Actually, no, she doesn't even have to probe him. They see yeah. the beautiful old Buick Roadster in the garage and he admits that he was 16 years old. Mm. He always wanted to drive this car. His dad, dad would never let him. And mm. whatever grade he was in, he got like all A's and he was really proud of himself. So he asked his dad, dad, would like, would you let me drive the car um, yeah. as a reward? And the dad's like, nope. And so he's like... All right then, and he and his friends went for a little joyride, yes. and they got busted, but not because they were doing anything wrong. It's because the dad immediately reported it stolen, and yes, stolen, all the kids stolen. got chucked into jail. Immediately bailed out by their parents, obviously, but his dad left him in for two for two days. Yeah, absolutely so, two days. In my notes, his dad, Lord, all these men are yikes. <laughs> That was it. That was what I wrote for that. I was like, that is such a yikes moment. And so you understand, yeah. like, he was a 16-year-old kid and he wasn't even just shown, like, that's not tough love. That is just, like, straight that's up belligerent mean. piece of shit parenting. Yeah, it's so yeah. awful. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oy, oy, oy. Saw something in Docker that's like, discipline without love is tyranny. I'm like, yeah, that's what that was. That's just that's actually like a, being a great a way to put it. These men, they're yikes. Yeah. And so, like, now you produce this piece of shit son who mm. then just moved out of home and never contacted his dad again and now mm. his dad's died and he also admits that his dad tried to reach out to him a few times and he was just like nah nah I think he's well within his rights for that as well I don't know like it's a movie I can't my brain's like what would I do in this situation I was like I talk to my dad all the time so uh. like, <laughs> and I as someone who doesn't talk to their dad for mm. less than that I don't know like maybe I don't know <laughs> If my dad reached out to me, I would respond. But mm. we're at that point where my dad doesn't reach out to me because he's being stubborn. So, uh, oh well, true, I'll continue true. being grouse over <laughs> here without you. Oh, yeah. Big mood. Uh, yeah, I think I've ever had a tiff with my dad. Usually, I we just both take a little bit of time to cool down. I didn't talk to him once for a year because he was mean to me at Christmas. But then I was like, ah, like, whatever. You're like, you learnt your lesson, Dad. <laughs> oh, you learnt your lesson. Uh, what is your actions had consequences? Ah, uh, but I love you. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> but, yeah, what are, what are parents? If not here to cause us a little bit of stress but also love us question mark exactly want to say they they so they rock up somewhere and val his partner converse pink pants can we talk about that outfit yeah fucking hot love it so this is the sort of thing i notice now that i actually watch movies and write things down mm. is seeing a woman dressed really casually and in sneakers you do not see oh. that in movies very much no you no, might see that more now heels Mm, but yeah, yeah, but even in, in real life, like sneakers have not been a feminine fashion staple until mm. really recently. Like totally, sneaker culture yeah. was never for women. So, I mean, they're just converse. So we're not, to I'm not talking about like fucking Air Jordan high tops, but yeah. to see that. So yeah, I was just told, I'm like, oh yeah, what a great outfit. What, what an icon, killing it before her time. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I really, really liked that. That was really good. He actually mentions his imaginary childhood friend, Rain Man. Oh, Rain Man. Around That's this right. time as well. And <laughs> kind of letting us ponder that. Uh, we do find out who Rain Man is uh, very, very mm. soon. You could probably work it out by the name Rain I didn't. Oh, did uh, I, I fucking did. I didn't work it out. I was like, oh, oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I think as well, when I think of the name Raymond, I think of Rayman, like the Nintendo <laughs> character. Oh yeah, no, I get that. Little floaty arms, like this comes and smacks you. He goes to the reading of the will. The dad was obviously angry that Charlie never made contact, so he leaves him the car as like a bit of a final fuck you. Sick burn, right? Like, are you happy now? Yeah. And the the rose bushes, uh, which Mm. we established, are dying. So obviously Charlie's 
furious. Ooh. Like, and he would be like, he later figures out like he got what he deserved, but in that moment he's furious. And I think anyone would be mm. like, even if you were estranged from your family and you got that fuck you and you couldn't oh, yeah. retaliate, like you'd be furious. Totally. And it's like, it's a funny old thing because in that moment, obviously I'm watching it like, well, you're both estranged from one another, yet you still feel entitled. So it's just, that was really interesting. I'm sure like, I, I mean, like obviously it shows that the apple didn't fall far from the tree because, oh, it's a funny thing. Like it's complex. He felt entitled about the car. Dad was a piece of shit about it. So the, everybody did the wrong thing. And then that entitlement carried through to adulthood, which is like, I don't know, you, you'd kind of hope that someone would have learnt a bit by then, but his dad obviously didn't either because he was mean as hell to the last. Yeah, so. that's what I was going to say. Like the dad could have learned, I'm your dad, which is something I'd love to fucking tell. Hey dad, if you're listening, um, grow up a little bit. But <laughs> the, the yep. dad could have gone, I'm the father in this mm. situation. Yes, my child is adult and grown, but at some point I'm going to have to let that go because it's mm. my child and yeah, he yeah. didn't. And so, and no. Charlie's like, is still, he's still a kid. He's something like, what is he like, 23 in this? Like Tom Cruise is only like 23 or something in this movie. Shit, really? He's quite young. I was like, yeah. I didn't think about it. Yeah. Oh man, of course. Yeah. Damn. I suppose oh, 25 maybe. But 25. Yeah. yeah so, I'm but he's playing a character in his early yeah. 20s. So, yeah, like, of course he's not going to be over it and he's going to be, no. it's been less than 10 years to him. So I think they both have big faults to play. The dad oh could have boy. fucking grown up and, yes. you know. Yikes. Yeah, yikes, big yikes. Friends. I think that's the only way <laughs> to, uh, Charlie goes on a mission to find out. So he's told, basically, everything else is left to a trust for someone mm. out for an anonymous beneficiary to mm. have the money, which is about $2 million worth, which I imagine in 80, late in 80s money, money would be... Ten billion dollars. Uh, yeah, one thousand two billion dollars. A lot of money. More money than I'll ever fucking see, to be honest. So. <laughs> <laughs> two million dollars. I'm like, whoa, if that's a lot of money, they're like, wait, that's 80s money. Shit. <laughs> that's the big fuck. That's the McDuck, McDuck money. That is. Imagine what you could buy in the 80s for two million dollars. Christ. Oh, my God. All the pink pants and Converse you could imagine. All right. <laughs> Just so many, like so many diamond-encrusted oh. Converse. Wow. <laughs> that would be it. He manages to find out by switching talking like some a bank teller somewhere basically it's going to Walbrook which is a mental institution and he mm. goes talk to I guess the head doctor Dr. Bruner there and mm. Dr. Bruner was actually quite close friends with Charlie's dad I'm just talking about the Mr. Babbitt we'll call him so Daddy Babbitt we're going to call him Daddy Babbitt <laughs> oh. Daddy Babbitt no come on we don't even, we don't even <laughs> see him so actually I noticed in one of the <laughs> photos he doesn't deserve daddy in one of the photos <laughs> there's um, basically photoshopped mm. Mr. Babbitt to look like a cross between Tom Cruise and oh fuck, I just forgotten who the other guy. Just Dustin Hoffman. Just, like they actually they, they, they really. Oh my god. Need, like, I want to see that photo so bad. Photo manipulation. Please put that up on Instagram. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> he goes through. They, they're wandering through the institution, and you can see like everyone. Most, well, all the people they encounter there obviously have various intellectual disabilities, mm. and yeah, yeah. Like um, when I read up on it, it's meant it's like a mental institution for people who are you know clinically insane or what have you. But all oh, we because like clinically insane or intellectually, but uh, we don't all we see. All we see are the people who oh. you know they encounter someone with Down syndrome and like mm. those kind of things. So yeah, when I think of a mental yes. institution, I usually think of a place where people who are severely mentally unwell, yeah, and unfit to look after themselves. Yeah. Thus. Yeah, or potentially a danger as well to the public, mm. which is, yeah, but it's so strange because I suppose this is like, there are like homes that just provide care and there are also carers. So like a lot of people with, well, I mean, like a lot of people who struggle with autism, uh, intellectual disabilities that mean that they can't do things on their own, usually like have carers yeah. or have like support workers. So I don't know what that looked like in the 80s, but I felt like that was something that, I don't 
don't know. It's just worth mentioning. <laughs> yeah, um, I think America in the 80s, I think even America now, if you don't know what to do mm. with your child who isn't functioning the way you expect them to, mm. just dump them in a home. Mm. Or oh, that's so rough. just let them live on the streets and stuff. Like, yeah, it's, I imagine oh, in America it's yeah. yeah, let us know, US friends. Uh <laughs> How grim is it over there if you have any kind of <laughs> neurodivergence? Grim. I mean, it's not great over here either. Like trying to get an NDIS is yeah. like horrible and inv- I mean, like obviously the system is very, very problematic. It's like chronic illnesses and then having to prove that you're still chronically ill, even though it's a chronic illness and a lifelong chronic illness. Like it's so invasive mm. and people have to do that almost like once a year. Yeah, no. And then sometimes they change the criteria. So your chronic illness that you've received support for uh, might not meet the criteria anymore. And it's like, oh my God. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's a time. Also have the, the awesome part where certain some services ah. jack up their prices and that's what they're charging mm. the government for the to be part of the NDIS scheme ah, so all that fucking money's being wasted and filthy and like yeah uh, uh, that's another podcast <laughs> that's another podcast. Lauren <laughs> and Cara railing against the fucking government Ooh. The government. Speaking of which, when I when Tom Cruise first appeared in this film, not to go back too far to the very beginning, that is. Uh, my first note was, "Dang, Tom," because he looked hot. Oh, he looking and great. He looked, oh, and ooh, I ah. I stuffed up. I always thought the firm was the first movie mm. where he had his monobrow waxed. It's this movie. <gasps> his little his little monobrow's gone really? in this. Yeah, his little money. <laughs> his little buddy. Ah, uh, I like him. I like him with the snaggle teeth too. I just think he's darling. I oh, know. I like, think it's uh, I think it's endearing. Oh, very very. I mean, like I also love David Bowie and David Bowie had rough teeth for his whole entire life. He only got his teeth fixed because he got crowded mouth oh. and um, he started having like issues with them because like, I mean, he had enough money to get his teeth fixed in the, like since forever. He's like, eh. Yeah, he's like, I don't know, this is my face. I'm like, he's oh, like I'm British. It's what we, what we have and what we do. <laughs> this is what we've got going for us. It's our uniqueness. <laughs> it's, our, it's our uniqueness. Hey, David Bowie. I don't Big know book of like. British smiles. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's enough. Uh. Um... <laughs> <laughs> we were like an hour in and we're like uh we're up to the part where we meet raymond <laughs> raymond yeah 100 percent. yep yep big mood sounds about right yeah while, yeah. <laughs> while um charlie and dr bruna mm. are discussing the uh trust account thing what's the name why am i so bad at names today val 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 is yes. just sitting in the car waiting he's obviously she's obviously being dismissed yes. oh yeah like just hang out in the car what the fuck like cool dude <laughs> you can't see my quizzical face but i'm like all right <laughs> I'll just hang out here before the internet was invented so I can't bitch I'll about it I'll just sit about sit here quietly in the fucking uh. just quietly I'll just read the phone book thanks <laughs> like oh Fuck. More Charlie Babbitt, you chode. Yeah, anyway. You're hot, but you're a chode. But this is where we... I think I wrote... Hmm? I think I wrote Jesus fucking Christ, this fucking guy. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> Charlie Rabbit. Like, ten minutes into the movie, and we're already like, what? Tom Cruise? <laughs> the fuck is wrong with this guy? All right. Raymond has gotten to the car with her. Mm. Hang on. He does. Oh, no. So her name's Susanna. Val, Val is her real name. Oh, whoops. That's right. Fucking Val. At least one of us. Uh, Susanna. You're right. Yeah, thank God. I was like, oh, what am I? Doesn't Susanna. Matter. Yes. Susanna. Susanna being a turbo babe. Uh, Susanna is um, just sort of listening to him talk, and he's talking about how he can drive the car. And when Charlie comes yes. down, he's like, what the fuck? You're doing it in my car. Oh, yeah. He's so mean. It's so mean and like because he's so already mean like is he mean to the kid that he encounters with down syndrome and like just fucking oh, king yeah. asshole god but they realize that Raymond seems to know a lot about this car like specifically the, oh the seats used to be brown and Charlie's like oh the seats did used to be brown who are you mm. meanwhile Dr. Brood is standing on the steps and he's like he's your brother and yeah this is how we find <gasps> dun, that dun, dun. and Charlie's like what yes. I don't have a brother Fuck. yeah and also what the fuck guys <laughs> 
<laughs> like that like imagine hiding a family member because of the nature of their intellectual and like or, or just their neuro disability like what the fuck the 80s also like further proving that Charlie and Raymond's dad was a fucking cunt yeah oh boy big swears coming out of my like, mouth as, as much as Charlie is a, is a big shit cunt like his dad has done a tremendous amount ah. of awfulness to him and yeah. Charlie's is the way he is because of that yes 100% and also like I just imagine hiding a whole family member yeah and like we find out pretty quickly ah. that well not pretty quickly but later in the movie but we find out that mm. Raymond actually did live with them for a while and he actually ended up getting mm. sent to the institution because they thought he was going to hurt Charlie's a Be baby a danger. with hot water uh, yes. in a hot bath so yes yes like accidentally they thought or Charlie who was probably close to his brother because he's only like a toddler when it happened and that's why he doesn't mm. remember yes except for this idea of this um, imaginary friend Rain Man yeah like that's devastating like oh not only did you hide this from me but I was aware of it, but you just hid it from me. Like it's, it's fine. So like yeah, and also like just like I don't know, just like isolating a family member. Uh yeah, like isolating them from one another for no good reason. Mm. So he's like, oh whoa, so like this is legit my brother. What the hell? And then they go into Charlie's room, and that stresses me out. So this is something I related to. When yeah, when Charlie's Ooh, in, oh, sorry, um, Raymond's room, not, not yeah. When Char- Raymond's Charlie goes into Raymond's room, room yeah. like I, you could be the most neurotypical person on earth, and I feel like even this this would stress most people out. It is so fucking stressful. Yes. Oh my God. Just like touching all his shit. Yeah. And like clearly Raymond's distressed. Really making him anxious. Oh my God. Like he's like moments away from meltdown. Like it's awful. Uh, and as well as like, it's like autistic meltdown is basically when you get a bit overloaded by everything. Um, and you essentially either, there's lots of different ways it can come out. Sometimes autistic meltdown can look quite violent. Like people might hit their head or want to scream or make loud noises. Or you kind of get like the other version of that, which is like get autistic, like shut down. Yeah. Like not uncommon. Um, so autistic shutdown is like you become nonverbal, which is like you stop talking. And uh, that actually happens to me as well. Like if I if I get too overwhelmed, I start making little humming noises and I have to like point at things around the room to my partner. And it just means I have to lie down and be like in a dark room. And it's just until the feeling of great over- overwhelmness, the overwhelming feeling goes away. Yeah. But yeah, you can see like Charlie is like absolutely like triggering that in Raymond. And it's like, oh, it's so stressful. Like touching my stuff and being really disrespectful. Like it's so dehumanizing. Yeah, well. it's so just, like, yeah, oh he's like, God. he doesn't consider this guy like a full human, so he's just gonna do this. Because like if you did that to at all, yeah. anyone, that would be upsetting. So yeah. to do it to someone oh, in like, be fisticuffs. while the care, his main carer is there explaining why what he's doing is bad. Yes, <laughs> and still ignoring yeah. it. Because, of course, oh my. <laughs> No, that that laugh specifically. Or I think this is also where I wrote, Jesus Christ, this fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> I have that written down. Yeah, what the hell? But this scene is really good because they managed to explain a lot. So when Raymond is really stressed out, he can just yeah. continually does the comedy skit, Who's On Next? Yeah, well, this is the cyclic thinking and also having um like rituals, rituals to calm yourself down. Mm. I guess like the way I, could, I would relate to that is like, I will watch Labyrinth, I'll watch a movie that I'm really familiar mm. with because I know exactly what's going to happen and I can like quote it where for word which is what essentially what Raymond is doing as well like he's quoting something that he really enjoys word for word to calm him down yes calm himself down it's really interesting um and I was like I think people do that like have probably have like a comfort film but for me I'll like watch something that's really familiar or listen to the same album over mm. and over again or the same song we also find out what another thing he does if he likes someone and Raymond really likes Susanna he asks them mm. if they are on prescription medication which is obviously a very weird question to <laughs> out of nowhere but that's his thing is like so I funny. like you so I, I ask you if you have prescription 
prescription medication. That too is relatable because I don't know when I meet other autistic people or I meet other neurodiverse people, we just trauma dump on one another. We'll just be like, oh yeah, that happened to me. And we'll talk about what anxiety medication we're on and stuff like that. Like it's no big deal. But it's I guess that's once again, for me, that's like, we just speak the same language. So it's not taboo to ask. Mm. And if you know somebody else is autistic, you know that that's probably an okay question to ask because you're in it together. It's like a camaraderie thing. And yeah, I guess Raymond, yeah. that's anyway. what, you know, he could ask that to someone where he lives in a mental mm. institution and they'd mm. be like, oh yeah, I'm on this, this and this because that's what they know. Oh, and yeah. that's their... Totally. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is how I can connect with you. This is yeah. a question I am comfortable and interested in. Anyway. Yes. I think that's really, really nice. I don't know. I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of cool. So, I mean, look, this representation is a time, but there's lots of little things that I will pick out positively at like that. That mm. is like something I'm like, oh, I see that. Yes. Yeah. Basically the scene is just establishing different behaviors that Raymond has and different ways that he mm. copes, you know, setting up that he, if he gets too stressed out, he will have a meltdown and things like that. This scene, while incredibly fucking stressful, is very important because we learn a lot about mm. things that start happening along the way. So uh, yes. from this point on, Charlie essentially kidnaps Raymond. Oh, he does. He really does. And it's so fucking it stressful. Essentially, is, is softening it too much. He literally kidnaps <laughs> <laughs> really does. He really, really does. It's like, uh, it's actually holds ransom yeah. for the He kidnaps the for money. ransom. And I was like, don't get me wrong, I was like not into, I was not into Tom Cruise in this movie and then that happens and I was like screaming what the fuck at the television. How have I not seen this film? And also questions like, how would I have found this film before I knew I was autistic? Is another one. I mean, like these are questions I can never answer because I can't go back in time like that. But I'm like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> Watching this is, ooh, it's, yeah, holy shit. Um, yeah, so they kidnap him and sneak him away to... Start driving away and go to a hotel up the road. Yes, and then follows some very uncomfortable scenes. It's just, oh, like, we see things like, oh, they don't understand boy. what he, like, he has set meals, set, set snacks. He does things that way, mm. like, he eats his cheese puffs with a toothpick, which to me sounds like an excellent way to eat things. I was like, oh, toothpicks. Honestly, awesome. And it's so funny, like, I get particular about shit like that. Like, I know, like, there's stuff that was overlap between neurotypical stuff. I uh, I think it was actually, like, it was something on my autistic questionnaire. Like, obviously, it's a lot vaster than this. But it was like, if you go to a restaurant, do you just order the same meal? And I'm like, yes. I know a lot of people do that. Mm. But it's like, if you know exactly what you're going to get. But here's the thing. If that's not available, I get really confused. Because I now, my expectation that I'd led up to, that was so set, has now been taken away from me. And my brain, rather than going, oh, I'll just get this instead. It's no big deal it goes wait now what do I do for way too long mm. because I'd already got caught on one idea so that's like for my autism that's that's a low level like autistic thing that happens uh, so the fact that he does really set stuff I'm like oh yeah I know what this looks like and he's been uh, living obviously like it's, the last quite, what yes. 20 something years in an institution where mm. each day is a certain meal and like even if yes. he was you know wasn't mm. autistic savant I think mm. that would be a huge like, that's a, the feeling oh, I got so rituals and routine are like a huge thing about being autistic yeah autistic yeah when you go somewhere mm. different like you're going on holiday like mm. it doesn't this doesn't affect me I remember it affected me a lot more when I was younger like when I first had my first full-time job like the complete change in routine and everything like I, it set me off in pan- I don't get panic attacks very often but I had so many mm. fucking panic and so yeah when you're overseas or something and something is so different just have that mo- that weird feeling in your chest you're like you know that I can get past <gasps> this but you're still like a tight yes. knot in your chest and I had that in sympathy because can you imagine how that yes, would feel you get the anxiety thing oh yeah no for sure and like knowing what's coming next autistic people often do this thing called scripting uh, and it's where we know what to expect so we have this thing called autistic scripting and that means that we are trying to like set up an expectation and what to expect 
I love routine. I actually, I'm really bad at keeping it because I have ADHD, which means my brain goes everywhere, but routine like is very good for me. Uh, so it's like on Saturday I go to work and on Sunday I go to work and on Monday I go to work. We go to the same cafe every Tuesday. So there's lots of that. There's stuff that can be done around that. Mm. It, and there's, they're almost like, what the stuff that can be done around that is like a free square, but I like have very certain things that I like done and I get particular about things as well. Obviously not in the same way because once again, very different version of autism and also just a really I don't know like it's one of those things where because I'm not autistic savant and this movie is so old I know they were trying their best but it still comes across like oh no I know what it is and it might be too early to say this but a point I'd like to bring up mm. is that that the narrative of this film is told from a person who isn't autistic and the point of the film is they become a better person by spending time with someone who is autistic but the whole time they're fucking tormenting them yeah <laughs> so I'm like oh so it's like I guess like you know as well Sia I didn't see that movie yeah let's see had where the girl has the buttons she only has six buttons Autistic people, like, if they are non-verbal, they can have, like, machines that do that talking for them. The best explanation I got from somewhere was, do you guys, anyone follow Bunny the dog? Bunny the talking yep. dog. The buttons? That bu- that dog has 80 buttons. That's a fucking dog. Yeah, right? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, anyway, often these films aren't framed around the autistic experience from an autistic person's point of view. They're explained or shown from a perspective of how autism interacts with the neurotypical. Mm. And that really pisses me off. As well, this is how uh, autism is diagnosed by how it interacts and interrupts other people's lives. Yeah. So if you're autistic in class and you're being disruptive or you're not getting it, it's basically like, oh, well, you're being a menace to the class because you have ADHD or you're autistic. It's not about what the child actually is going through and what they're thinking about and what support they need. It's more about how can they be less disruptive. I know that's changing now, but throughout the 80s especially, that was the path that they would take to like cure kids was to help them mask it better rather than help them work through things yeah. and ease into situations. That's a thing that annoys me most probably about this film. <laughs> I think, I mean, this this whole film, the whole it's a road movie, but it's mostly a fish out of water mm. movie. Yeah. But it's the, the worst possible example of that where you've <laughs> kidnapped this fish and like... Just yes, gotta... but also Tom is the fish too. Yeah. He doesn't know what to do in this situation. Everybody's a fish out of water because I guess like the point is that he's learning uh, to be a better person. But at the same time, there was some stuff in there. Look, we'll get to that later actually. Yeah. But continue. Sorry, I thought of a good point. That's okay. We'll that's, this is why we, we knew we knew what yes. we were getting into here, Lauren. <laughs> yes, don't you worry about did. that. Oh, we like I said, our gobs. Oh, they be a flapping. <laughs> They managed to kind of like get Raymond settled enough, um, like rearrange some furniture, get him a meal that's close enough to what he's used to. And while he's, I mean, he has no book, so normally he would read at night. So they just give him the phone book. They end up having, you know, fucking. And he hears oh, Susanna making yes. sounds and just goes in and yes. just like goes into their room, watches TV, just copying her sounds that she's making. Oh, yeah. He's making like um, echolalia is what it is. So it's like, yeah, echolalia or just like also autistic noises. Like if I become become non-verbal or distressed often I'll do like hmm I'll just make little noises because it's the only way I can communicate mm. it's a it's a strange thing not many people get to see that because like obviously I've masked for years so and it's and it's also it feels embarrassing like it's it's like not fun especially when you've masked for so long but yeah he's distressed so he starts making like little noises um and copying Susanna as well yeah that is a really uncomfortable scene because then old mate Tom Cruise once again neglecting that his brother has a disability just decides to like cut 
cut sick. Yeah, just cut like, fucking sick. Exactly. And also, their like door is open too. Both their doors are open. Do you remember that? Yeah, that that was the thing that pissed me off. I'm like, you want to have sex with someone who Why? you you don't know very well, but you know yeah. has some sort of disability. So you're just gonna leave all the yes. doors open? Question mark. Like, it's also it's once again like dehumanizing. Yeah. Like, ah, uh, it's so it's so rough. That is a very uncomfortable scene, especially because you see Tom Cruise do a big cum. Like, you don't actually see anything there under the blankets, but you know you see the, oh, the climax, big. and you're like, oh. Yeah. Oh, rude. <laughs> oh, we're gonna, we're gonna just tense a little bit and we're done. <laughs> Thank you, Tom Cruise. Sexy. <laughs> He's such a pretty looking boy, but God, I could not get past him. He's so fucking unlikable in this. It is absolutely shocking. Like, incredible. He plays a lot of characters in, this, especially in the '80s and into the mm. '90s, where he was wasn't very likable. Who was like a smarmy asshole, but he figured himself out and stopped being such a piece of shit much earlier in all those other movies. Yes. And he was still had a, he was still had some sort of charm. In this, he doesn't nothing. No, charmless, completely charmless. Maybe that was what was so groundbreaking at the time. I mean, also like the Oscar bait being like that you uh, you know able bodied and also like neurotypical people playing people with disabilities is like oh boy, that was always Oscar bait. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe this was considered quite a different role for Tom Cruise as well. I don't know. Like, ah, uh, yeah, maybe. Um, who won? Who won awards for this one? Dustin Hoffman did. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember. Hang on, let's have a quick look here. It is a bit cringe for me to watch because, like, for me, it it looks like a parody of somebody. Pl- like, I mean, it looks like somebody acting like someone's autistic. Uh, to me, that well, is. Well, it's also because it it has entered the cultural lexicon so completely that you know, if you haven't seen this movie, you've seen it. You know lampooned so much like it's done in the yes. Simpsons there's one where what was the Simpsons one um, when Homer's working at the casino I don't know if you've seen this episode so Mr. Burns opens a casino Homer's working there and mm. there's a bit where Rain Man and Charlie are there when Raymond has his meltdown Homer also has a meltdown mm. at the same time and so they're both doing <laughs> what the, the exact same meltdown so it's, it's in so it's much like parody oh man yeah oh man that's like oh, it's so rough yeah no like the autistic experience especially meltdowns like hitting your head is like a thing that happens like it, depending on how bad your meltdowns are and stuff like that but watching him do that I don't know like ah uh, it does happen it's happened to me I when I've been under immense stress and I'm like do I look like that and I don't think I do <laughs> Or I didn't feel the emotion. Mm. I don't know. Uh, it's it's a thing. I just... Uh. All right. So it won Best Oscar for Best Picture, Best Actor in a Leading Role, mm. Dustin Hoffman, Best Director, mm. Best Writing Screenplay. It was also nominated Best Cinematography, Art Direction, Set Decoration, Film Editing, and Music, which is Hans Zimmer. Tom Cruise wasn't nominated. Wow. I thought the soundtrack was pretty good, actually. I remember thinking... Oh, Ben... Ha- ben Watching with Ben, Ben was fucking fuming. He hated it so much. Like, I thought he was going... Right. To have really? a fist fight with the television and like the the Blu-ray. <laughs> I maybe I just like the '80s songs. I was like, yeah, nice '80s song, but I don't remember anything else. I was like, do I like the music? It was like really jaunty, like because the director. That's right. I didn't even actually mention it the felt director. Really weird. Yeah, Mark Johnson, yeah. Uh, the director. No, sorry, Ma- mm. Barry Levinson. Fucking hell, Barry Levinson <laughs> is the director, and I'm trying to remember what he's done. And eh, nothing else. Wag the dog. Nothing that I give a shit about. But he did not yes. want it to be like lots of string instruments and stuff because he didn't want it to be like that really he had a word for it not whimsy but like that really like tugging in the he didn't want the tugging on the heartstrings music oh okay oh that feels so out of place yeah. no I think I remember thinking there was some music that was out of place but I liked the 80s song at the beginning yeah. I don't remember what a song it was but that was like oh sick but it was just really weird because this is Hans Zimmer's first mm. big composing job he's famous for like his big string like the time Ben yes. and I wept when we saw Hans Zimmer live and they played the Pirates of the Caribbean oh. music which normally I'm like oh this is a jaunty song so good 
But Ben and I were crying. I like it. it was it was so fucking good and oh. fun. We're like, like oh. if, kicks, if we were we go through pirate phases in our household, and we end up watching just the first one again. And oh, that movie rules. Off and I like start I start smacking Peter's leg with excitement. It's just like ooh, and we like looking at each other like yeah, this is the best. But I know that feeling. It's like such a good oh, it's such a good mood. Like right in the whew, right in the the little TikTok little the little heart. <laughs> Essentially, this scene is just awful because apart from you know doing all this fuck shit to Raymond, ah. Susanna's like, yeah. you're not listening to me. You've kidnapped this person. You're fucked. And she leaves. Yes. Like she. Yes. And I'm like, oh, I, fuck yes. yes. Like, how often do you no, see I that? Didn't. No, I, I wrote down, yes, Susanna, dump his ass. Like, I wrote that in my notes. I was so chuffed. She's a great character. She's the only redeemable character in this. And then something happens that made me feel really uncomfortable later. She comes back? She comes back and something else happened. Oh, like, yeah. That was weird. Yeah. I am. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, no, she's great. And it's like, he's not even listening to the most level headed person in the room as if he's going to like take care of and listen to the needs of a person with an intellectual disability who's his fucking family like his lack of empathy is incredible it's, like it's so wild <laughs> because i think yeah she's thought it through and it's like you don't have the yes. ability to do with this all he could think about is he wants his part of the inheritance oh yeah totally but yeah it's like it's so funny that the position of like well often people think that autistic people don't have empathy and it actually doesn't work like that um sometimes we can struggle with empathy but we also express empathy differently. Mm. So if you're an autistic person like me, the way we often express empathy is rather that when somebody tells you something sad, we won't be like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that and leave it. We go, oh, if we have like a relatable moment, we go, oh, I know what that feels like. And we explain our relatable moment, which people go, they just talked about themselves. And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is my way Mm. of telling you that I have been through the same experience. So I do know how you feel. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Obviously very different with Raymond. I do that a bit too. Like I always, think of relatable mm. things and I'm like oh I'm talking yeah, about my it's not self. uncommon but yeah, I would yeah. say and it's not a bad thing either from knowing mm. you all these years I would say you're mm. a very empathetic person aha well, here's the thing so you can either be not empathetic enough or on the autistic spectrum you can be too empathetic to the point where it affects your life but for this reason a lot of autistic people are in activism because they care so much ah. explains a lot doesn't yes. it so like a lot of autistic people like trying to help help refugees trying to help the feminist movement trying to help you know climate like, change uh, or... yeah, it's incredible yes exactly because they give such a shit like they feel it in their bones that they care so much whereas most people are like eh and they just worry about their little circle and that's fine too like this is just the broad human experience mm. except if you're a, a giant multi-billion CEO in which case you're a lizard person eat shit and die cunts uh, how about that chop your heads die. off I don't want to see your fucking billboards in space fucking dead shits <laughs> you piece of shit absolutely I'm going up what? there if they start doing Imagine. that I'm going to space and I'm fucking knocking those signs down somehow uh, punch it Get out my of the space sky. car and fucking ram him. Mate, we can't even go to Williamstown Titanic. There's no <laughs> way we're getting to space. <laughs> uh, just look that up. Titan- Williamsburg time. Titanic restaurant. And Please look, say- up William- look, at, look up Williamstown Titanic. You are in for a fucking treat. Google that shit. So the next morning. She dumps his ass. Yeah, she dumps his ass. Yes. Next morning, they go to a cafe for breakfast. This is where we see a little bit more of Raymond's behaviours where he expects the maple syrup to be on the table before the pancakes arrive and Charlie oh, is so fucking mate. dismissive. That is 
so relatable. Mm, yeah, so he gets really fussy about it, which is, it's normal for autistic people. Yeah, he <laughs> displays more of his savant, you mm. know, characteristics. So it was Bonnie Hunt, wasn't it? The waitress, like just a just tiny bit role. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. So you can see her name on her tag and Raymond knows her phone number mm. because he got to the letter G <gasps> in the phone book. And she's yes. like, I, I loved how she wasn't right. that weirded out. She was just like, oh, okay, fair enough. Oh yeah, no, it's just like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I, I don't know, I, well, once again, proving that everybody else in this world except for Tom Cruise <laughs> is, much is a reasonable a, a human being. Perfectly decent yeah. person. Yeah. <laughs> Hurrah. <laughs> Uh, so because Raymond likes eating his food with chopsticks, uh, sorry, toothpicks, uh, what's his name? Charlie eventually gets some from the waitress, but she's bumped and knocks them all. And he, uh, Raymond looks down at the ground and actually can ca- immediately count how many toothpicks on the ground. Oh, yeah, including four in the box. Yeah, and he's like, oh, like 246. And he's like, oh, there's yes. 250 in the box. And Charlie's like, you were nearly there. And she's like, oh, there's four in the box still. And he's like... Mm, I don't care. I'm a yuppie uh, and I like cars. So, because I know if I if I'd been there, I'd be like, wait a minute, you just fucking. I'd be like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, anyway, but no, Charlie's too busy yes. worrying about his own shit. But worried about his own big old fat head being a big old <laughs> selfish ego man. Oh, I also like in this scene, Charlie grabs Raymond really roughly and like does it <gasps> that mean little yes. thing at him, and then Raymond's immediately like writes it in his serious injuries book. He's like, on this, this yes. time, this serious injury. Good, absolutely. You should yeah, all do that. that have a little a serious, book of like people who wrong us. Oh, like. What makes you think I do? <laughs> Remember, I had kill the Batman on my thing for ages because of that that YouTube dude. <laughs> That's Remember? right. I won't say what their name was, I but I cannot stand that someone like that exists. But I was like, oh man, I just it, it was just there to remind me of how annoying that was. I wasn't gonna do anything about it. I was just like, oh, remember that? Yes, we will kill the Batman. <laughs> Mate, I wish I had my journal from when I was like, oh, I have a journal somewhere here. Peter, I was showing it to Peter. It was like my, it was like my early teen. I must have been like 11 or 12. In this journal, I have written like villains. And it is no joke, like number one villain, Darth Vader, Liquid Snake from Metal Gear Solid, Nasty Nork. And then it gets down to number one and it just says Osama Bin Laden. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? I mean, like... It is you shit. He's like, whoa, that dialed up to reality real quick. <laughs> I was twelve. I didn't know. I just ran out of villains that I liked. You're like, that like, fucking nine eleven was dreadful. I'm just a child. <laughs> oh, I've heard that man's very bad on the news. Like that him and Darth Vader. Oh, they're real bad. Like. <laughs> All right, so he's like serious injuries book. I loved that actually because I I like that he documents and it shows once again he has feelings. It, like it immediately shows he has feelings, which Tom Glu- Tom Cruise shuts uh, in neglects. Yeah, no, once again neglects. It's like Charlie feels wronged, so in his own way he's going to express that. Yeah, and you are just going to ignore it. I suppose as well at this stage Tom Cruise thinks that he's or um, Charlie Babbitt thinks that he's going to be over and done with this in in a mere matter of days. Yeah, or like moments even. But obviously you know a little bit different. He's been off more than he can chew and it takes him a long time so to fucking so. realise this. So the plan is he's going to get the car shipped back home to there must be in LA and they're going to catch a plane back to LA so because it's actually quite a distance like they're in Cincinnati they've been in Cincinnati which is I worked it out a really long way mm. but Raymond is absolutely terrifying of flying because he has memorised all of the plane crashes. All of the statistics. 
six. Yeah. So when Charlie's like, well, what about Delta? And he's like, he remembers the, the very last accident that's happened. Delta flight. Yeah. So this is, a, I love this bit so much as, as Australians. Uh, the only airline that Raymond would be comfortable with is Qantas. Apparently, so there's, there's a few little fun trivia about that. Apparently Qantas had mm. had some minor accidents, but never on a commercial mm. jet, like just some like smaller. Oh, interesting. You know. So mm. they were, he was kind of right in that. Apparently the director or the whoever wrote the script actually just winged that and just made that up. And it's like, I don't think Qantas has had, <laughs> but so it was, they were mostly right. Wow. And another fun fact is anytime this movie was played on airlines, all other airlines except Qantas edit that scene out. And like their excuse, <laughs> their excuse is because, well, no one wants to hear about planes crashing when they're watching a plane no, on a flight. No, you can't. But Qantas yeah. are like, Ah, uh, uh, nice. <laughs> Don't even worry you about it. It's us, Qantas. It's so funny what they edit out of in-flight films. Somebody I was, I know, was watching Super Eight, and they edit the train crash out. That's the, train. Literally the best bit. I know and that felt like I like I have lots of things I like about that film. It falls a bit flat, but it's it's you know it's pretty enjoyable. But that bit like that train crash is epic, mm. so good, and I'm pretty sure they edited it out. Cool. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. I guess like that's why I usually watch movies that I already know on plane or playing movies that I would never watch at home, and that way I don't give a shit. Yeah. But like I would never watch a movie. That like, way I watched, how many people I watch Ladybug. Avatar on planes for the first uh, time? I don't know if it's an ongoing joke with everyone, but I hear wah, a lot of people wah. talk about it. Can you imagine that? It's like flying through the air. <laughs> James Cameron's like, Absolutely. I want everyone to see this on IMAX and big 3D screens. And someone's like, I'm going to watch it on my phone or on my tiny. Uh, tiny. I always thought Avatar was the first 3D film I ever saw in cinema. But the first 3D film I ever saw in cinema was, oh, Final Destination. Uh, I want to say it might have been four or five, but it's the one with the race car track. Are you a Final Destination fan? Of course I am. I don't think I've seen them all. Of course you are. The one with the racetrack was great. Like, that has some great scenes to watch in 3D. It's absolutely disgusting. Some bloody sick cars coming flying at the screen. Yes! (laughs) I was watching it and I was like, yeah, hell yeah, 3D. And I was sitting with my friend Simon. It started and the music was really loud and we were like, yeah, car racing. So you get like that that, that adrenaline rush of watching Bogan things because you're from the Gold Coast. (laughs) And we looked at one another and we like nodded and we looked back at the screen and like a the bolt like flew at the screen and I no joke both of us were like whoa <laughs> like our hands went back like it was like oh, I love I that, that shit so like, much. oh yes I am a dickhead good times anyway moving on basically Charlie tries to get him on the plane and this is the first time we see Raymond have a proper met- meltdown yes because, yeah, it's one thing to like not let him have toothpicks and all that, but like to force someone onto an aeroplane that they're fucking terrified of. Luckily, Charlie oh, yeah. um, realises he can't. I mean, I think it's mostly out of embarrassment because everyone's looking. Uh, yeah. The other thing about meltdowns is it's usually an amalgamation of things building up. It's never just like this moment. Like that might just tip him over the edge. But it's like, it's. I guess it's like spoon theory. Like you, if you you wake up with so many spoons in a day, do you know yep. spoon theory? Yep. Yeah. So you wake up with so many spoons in a day and, you know, you you got dressed so that if you're autistic that might cost two spoons as opposed to costing one spoon and you have a shower or you have a shower and you get dressed and that's like three spoons you know so with Raymond it's like well with the autistic experience like it's about sort of like spending your energy where you can yeah and not overstimulating yourself like it's it's amalgamation things like he's already kidnapped him stressed him out beyond belief I feel like had he just not been a big piece of shit this whole time he could have maybe convinced him yeah because Charlie like oh, sorry Charlie is really unreasonable and Raymond isn't unreasonable mm. like 
he's just autistic. He's not, you know, it's like he, he just, yeah, he communicates, I think, really effectively. Yeah. And it's just Charlie, like, ignoring his shit once again. Yeah. So, yeah, basically the, the plan is now that they have to drive all the way to LA, which is going to take, it will take a couple of days, except it's going to take a little mm. bit longer because they do actually encounter a accident and Raymond is absolutely oh, terrified. stresses him yeah, out. Yeah, so stressed. Yeah. And so they now have to do back roads. And I'll give Charlie one thing is that he actually is like, okay, we're doing back roads then. Like he do- he doesn't put up much of a fight. No, it's like he starts, he starts like, I guess like leaning into like, like the path of least resistance for his own, I guess it's, but it feels like for his own benefit, not so much Raymond's. Yeah, that, that I, you know, is this, is this change or is this just, I'm a piece of shit who doesn't want to deal with this? Yeah, I mean, we know what the answer uh, is there. <laughs> yeah, piece of shit answer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I like all of the shots of, like, I love America. Mm. I love how America looks. I love small towns. On 80s I America, like... All of that stuff. So oh, good. I love it. So, yeah, I love small stop-ins. I love roadside attractions. Like, I have a lot of the a love for, like, the culture of the US and driving and road trip films. Mm. That's something I really enjoyed about this movie. I'll say that for sure. And it's very core. Is it's a road trip movie and that aspect mm. of it is really nice. Really pretty yeah. and the, the shots are really nice. Yeah. Okay, well, we're reviewed a bit of the movie. Oh, we have. I'd say that's a very positive spot to, to leave yeah, off on as well. Yeah, I think we are going like, to leave it here. And that's also because this is where it truly becomes a road movie. Like, we're building up to it yes. becoming a road movie, and now it's about to become a road movie. Um, we obviously have a lot more to talk about and a lot more movie to get through, so we're going to pause it there. So if in the meantime, if you'd like to find me on social media, it is Tom Cruise Reviews on Instagram, Tom Cruise Review, no S on the end on Twitter, and everything else is on my website, TomCruiseReviews.com. Thank you, Lauren, for helping me get through this very in-depth discussion of autism and Tom Cruise being a shit cunt. Uh, we will continue. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll continue next week. We'll catch you then. Da, 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 da.